Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, it's Christmas season. It's a time of year when we go to the stores and we go and we enjoy times with our families and we go to this party and that party and this function. I was talking to somebody this week and yeah, we're having a Christmas banquet on Saturday and they got something going on on Friday and they got something going on on Sunday and, you know, and we're trying to all squeeze everything in and how many of you are like that? You've got all these functions that you are going to and you've got planned out and it's like you're just busy, you know? And we get into that hustle and bustle of Christmas, don't we? We try to, we hunt down what we can, we know what we want to get our loved ones for Christmas and we try to hunt it down or we order it on the internet and we're all focused on Christmas. But in the midst of it, we forget things. We really forget what Christmas is about. We really forget the significance of why we celebrate Christmas. Why we have the festivities. Why we gather. Why we're even here. And as we've been starting this series now on more than a coincidence, we're going to see that Christmas and the reality of Jesus coming is more than just a series of coincidences. It's more than just something that happened that we benefit from. It really was the initiative of God. It was God concerned for the well-being of humanity. It was God reaching out in grace to a people who didn't deserve grace. So let's be honest, we don't deserve grace, do we? We don't deserve salvation. We don't deserve the blessings that he gives us. None of us do. We don't have any right to it. But God of his initiative reached out into history and he started with the whole thing of talking with probably a 14 or 15 year old girl in a little town somewhere in Galilee. So let's look at this passage. We're going to look today at the initiative of God and hopefully as we look at how God works in her life and what he's going to accomplish through her life and how she responds. Because here's the thing. You're going to see how she responds because what he, what's going to happen to her isn't a great thing. Can I be honest with you? You think bearing the child, the Christ child, isn't a great thing? Oh, it's a blessing to her, but I'll, there's some significant issues that are going to take place because of it. So I want you to notice the passage with me. We're going to just look at different parts. First of all, we're going to focus on the first part, starting with verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will rule over the house of Jacob forever, 
and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who is called barren. For with God nothing will be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. First thing I want you to notice, we're going to look at verses 26 and 28 as we talk about the initiative of God, is his initiative here. We're going to see that God is the one who takes the initiative. First thing I want you to notice is, is that God chooses the insignificant. God chooses the insignificant. I want you to notice something. In our mind, when we think about accomplishing things, we think about the brightest, the best. And this is even true in Christian circles. We think in terms of if we can only get this type of person saved or that type of person saved, when, then we'll be able to impact the community or impact the nation. Because that's how we think. We think in terms of spectacular. We think in terms of do they look good? Do they have the right brains? Do they have the right amount of money? We think in terms of that. We think in terms of the significant. But God thinks in terms of using the insignificant. Here he is. He's getting ready to do something. God himself is going to come in human flesh and he chooses and a most insignificant little girl, a 14, 15-year-old little girl, on the backwaters of northern Galilee to be the one to carry the Christ child. To have you to understand what we're talking about here as far as Nazareth, we're not even talking about a community maybe the size of Kerwinsville. I want you to think of in terms of a, of, a, of a community maybe the size of Kellytown. And you think about God going to Kellytown and picking a girl there, a virgin girl, and going and saying, you're going to bear the child. That's insignificant, isn't it? That's what God does. He chooses the insignificant. He chooses the insignificant. God chooses the insignificant. That's what he's doing here. The creator of the universe comes in the form of a little child to be born by an insignificant little girl in northern Galilee. Isn't that something? Now, there, there's a lesson there for you and I because, you know what, this, this whole issue of choosing the insignificant runs throughout the Bible. When you read through the Old Testament, you see incident after incident where God chooses someone who is insignificant to carry out his plan. David is a good Good example of this. All you got to do is go back to 1 Samuel, where he is anointed, and all of David's brothers are brought before him. In fact, Samuel, when he's going to anoint, is thinking, boy, the older brother, he looks good, this is the guy, but God says, no, not him. He chooses a little guy who's got to be brought out from, from taking care of the sheep. That is the one, the youngest, that God chose, David. What's the lesson there for you and I? Some of you are here today, and you think, there's no way that God can use me and you've got all your lists of reasons why, and one of the reasons why is because I'm just insignificant. Who am I? My friends, those are the kind of people God uses. And as we think about Christmas, and as we think about the coming of Jesus Christ, 
the initiative of God, he chose the insignificant. And here's the thing I want you to see. It was based on grace, not character. Notice what he said to her. Look with me at verse 28. Here's what he said. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Look with me now at verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have what? Found favor with God. See, God extended favor to her. God chose her not because of who she was. See, some, there are some groups here today that will say, Today, and you maybe have met some folks who, who believe that there was something about Mary that made her virtuous so that she would be the one to carry it. There was nothing about Mary. Mary was just like you and I. She was a sinner in need of a Savior. But the reason why she was chosen was not because of her character, and she may have well had a good character, but because of God's grace. Because she fit into His plan. See, God uses people the insignificant to accomplish great things, not because of who they are, you understand, or what they've done or haven't done, or who God uses people because of His grace, because of His mercy. So, so many of you think I can't be used because I did this or I didn't do this or I don't have this kind of education or I maybe got too much education or all this stuff, and you think there's no way I can be used with God if God only knew what I did. Well, first of all, He does know what you did. But his use of you has nothing to do with you. It has to do with him. With who he is. And his choice. And he extended grace. He showed favor to this little girl and said, you're going to carry something. You're going to carry a blessing. So that's what I want you to notice. The next thing I want you to see is the angel announces to her that she's going to carry a child and this child is going to be a blessing and it's a threefold blessing about this child. There's something about this child. This child is going to be called Jesus and there's something about him that's going to be so wonderful. It's a threefold blessing to the world. And here's what I want you to see. That's what we're going to notice here. The threefold blessing. First of all, Jesus will be great. Notice what it says there. Verse 29. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And what? He will be great. My friends, he's great. He's great to you and I because of what he's done for our lives and and the salvation he's given us. But he's even great to unbelievers. You can't live in this world without being affected by who Jesus is. I mean, it affects your calendars. Do you realize when we say the year 2008, the reason why it's the year 2008 is because we talk about whose birth? Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He has made such an impact on our world. If there's anything else, even the world recognizes the importance of this person, Jesus. He will be great. Now, here's the wonderful thing. He isn't just great now. He will always be great. Because the Bible tells us, and this is what we're going to see next, is that He is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Notice what it says there. And will be called the Son of the Highest. Who's the Highest? God. In fact, he goes on a little later. He tells her this. He says, The Holy Spirit, verse 35, will come upon you and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. And therefore, that Holy One that is to be born will be called the Son of God. She was going to carry something special. God Himself 
would be formed humanly, because he was fully human, fully God and fully human, within her womb. Isn't that that's amazing? I can't even think of that. Ladies can think of that if they've been pregnant. They know what it's like to carry a baby. But to carry a baby, to know that it's God within you, that blows you away, doesn't it? But here's the point. He's the Son of God. The other thing I want you to see is this. Jesus is the everlasting King. Notice what he says there. Not only will he be called the Son of the Highest, but the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And what? His kingdom, there will be no end. His kingdom will be forever. Kingdoms come and go, don't they? Kingdoms come and go. Why? Because who dies? Kings die. But Jesus' kingdom will last forever. Why? Because he's alive. And one day he's coming back. See the threefold blessing? The threefold blessing is Jesus is great. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is King. And that's the blessing of the child that she's going to bear, that she's going to bear there. The threefold blessing. But in the midst of this now, I want you to see something here. Because there's something significant happening here. We're going to see that in the midst of the initiative of God, and as he provides this blessing of Jesus to the world, we're going to see the sufficiency of God to humanity. The sufficiency of God, not just to humanity, but the sufficiency of God to Mary and to every one of us. I want you to notice with me, look with me now at verse 39. Now, after this happened, look with me, it says, verse 39, Now Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believes, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded my lowly state of his maidservant. And behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. And he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. I want you to see the sufficiency of God there. The first thing I want you to see is this. God will fulfill His Word. God will fulfill His Word. The angel told her that. She's saying, how's this going to happen? How's this going to happen that I'm going to bear a child? I don't even know a man. I haven't had a relationship with a man. How am I going to know? And he says, God will come upon you. 
you're going to conceive, it will be fulfilled. In fact, as a sign to you, your cousin Elizabeth is already six months and they called her barren. Isn't it interesting? Immediately after the angel leaves, verse 39 tells us what? Where did she go? To visit Elizabeth. Why? Probably to go see. Look, think about it for a moment. If an angel came to you and said, this is going to happen with you, didn't give you any proof, and left, what would you think? Huh, too many hot sausages, bad pizza, bad coffee, not enough sleep, too much caffeine. But if an angel came to you and said, this is going to happen to you, and just so you know this is going to happen to you, this is happening to so-and-so right now. What do you do? What will you do? You'll go to who? So-and-so. And see. See, here's the thing. Mary, I know she probably believed the angel, but she goes immediately to where? To Judea, to Zechariah and what? Elizabeth's house. And she sees who pregnant. And not only does she see Elizabeth, but Elizabeth then says to her, about her being blessed because she's carrying who? Her Lord. See, God's going to fulfill His Word. See, some of you here need to hear that because, you know, you're wrestling. You're, you want to live your life by the principles of God's Word. You want to live your life by the things that He has shown you. And you find it very hard because maybe circumstances rise up, situations come about, obstacles present themselves, and you want to say, whoa, wait a minute, this, this can't happen. This can't be true, Lord. Your Word can't be real. Because all this stuff is happening. My friends, you need to quit looking at all this stuff and just look to the one who said he's going to do it. His word will be fulfilled. And that's what he was doing here. He was fulfilling his word, not just to him, but to Elizabeth, but also to Mary. That's the sufficiency of God. God is going to fulfill his word. Now, here's how we should respond. Here's how we should respond. Look at verse 38. Look at how she responds to the angel and all that he says. And I want you to think about her response. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here's what, here's, we are called to submit to his word. Now, here, I want you to understand something. You can just read that passage and it can just go right over your head. And you not even grasp what's going on with her submitting. Because in our culture today, a young lady getting pregnant who's not married, not really an issue today, is it? But I want you to see something here now. This is someone who has been betrothed. And that's a type of engagement that's a little bit more elaborate than our type of engagement. It's almost like she is bound. It's not something that you break. She's just waiting for the time when the bridegroom will come, Joseph will come, and they'll go and consummate their marriage. It's it's a little bit more elaborate, the betrothal. So she belongs to someone else. It's almost kind of like married but not married yet. She belongs to someone else. And here comes this angel. This angel comes in. And this angel says to her, you're going to conceive a child. This child is going to be great. This child is going to be a king. He's going to be a ruler like David. And this child is going to be the son of the most high, the God of the highest, God. And immediately her response is, how's that going to happen? Because I haven't even known a man yet. I'm a virgin. That, that's going to, how's that going to take place? And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and what will be conceived in you will be of God. And then notice her response to all of that is, is okay, then let your word be done. I submit to it. Now, to us today in our culture, no big deal. But I want you to take a trip with me back 2,000 years. Here's a girl 
14 or 15, she gets pregnant. She belongs to somebody else. It's already been set. Just a question of when. She's pregnant. The law says at that time she should be what? Killed. See, none of this escaped her. Here's another thing. Some of you are old enough to remember when young ladies getting pregnant wasn't acceptable. How many of you remember those times? And how many of you remember when you did see somebody out of wedlock and was, was there shame there? I mean, you, it was like a public thing, you know what I'm saying? And, and that used to exist even in our culture 20, 30, 40 years ago. Not 20 years ago, but maybe 30, 40, or even 50 years ago. Obviously before that. And here she is. In that culture, she carries a death penalty. And let's say she did come from a little town like the size of Kelly Town. How many people are going to know she's pregnant? Can you hear the flapping lips? wonder who Mary was with. I can't believe that. You see the public shame? Listen, this is how public it was that later in Jesus' ministry, the Pharisees would refer to it. You know what I'm saying? As a slight against Jesus about his origins. See, so here's what I'm trying to say to you. What God is asking her to do, what God has chosen her to do, you know, it's, it's, it's a blessing to her. I'm going to carry the Messiah. But the price to be paid. Think about the price to be paid. How many of you would want to carry that kind of price? There's a price to be paid by her. And I'm going to be honest with you, she probably paid it. Is it any wonder she did go to, with Elizabeth for three months? The shame. But here's what she said. Look with me what she said. And the question I've got to ask you and I've got to ask myself is, would I be that way? Look at what she says. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. She submitted to his word. Are you willing to submit to what God calls you to, even if there's a price to be paid? See, here's the thing. That, that, I have to be honest with you. In my life as a believer... It's easy for me to give lip service and say, Jesus, I'll do anything you ask me to do. Isn't it easy for us to do that? I'll be obedient, Lord, until we see the price that has to be paid. Then we second guess it. Then we say, whoa, maybe I got you wrong, Lord. Maybe it was pizza. Bad pizza. Too many anchovies. But, I mean... Maybe it was hot sausage, or maybe it was this or that or another. Maybe I was just sick, or maybe I didn't get enough sleep. And we start making all the excuses. Why? Because we don't want to what? Pay the price. But I want you to see something here. Mary didn't have a now focus. Mary had a later focus. How do I know that? Because look at the song she sings. After she is greeted by Elizabeth and they exchange, and Elizabeth says what she says, Mary says this in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. There she's talking about how insignificant she is. And then notice what he says, And behold, henceforth all generations will call thee what? Blessed. Boy, her focus isn't on the problem, is she? Her focus is on later. See, that's where our focus has to be. When God calls us and says, I want to do this with you, or I'm going to do this in your life, we look at the problem and say, oh man, I can't do that. Wow! Because our focus is where? Right now, how's it going to affect me right now? Her focus is, 
She's facing stuff that you and I would never face. But her focus is on generations will call me blessed. See, we're called to submit to His Word. The other thing I want you to see there, it results in the offering of praise to God. It results in the offering of praise to God. Here, notice something. Even in spite, I mean, I mean, think about this, man. I mean, think about it for a moment. We, you know, we miss it. We miss the whole whatever's happened with the birth of Jesus here. She's got to carry him for nine months. Joseph is even thinking about what? We know this from the scripture. Putting her away quietly. That's just quietly divorcing her because he knows it's not his baby. He's ready to put her away so that she doesn't suffer public shame. But my friends, listen. What happens when you get pregnant? Can you hide it? You can't. I mean, it's there. People know. You think about the public shame. You think about the public ridicule. And you think about all that she's going to go through. I mean, think about her. I mean, if you're her mom and dad. Mary, what happened? An angel came. Yeah, really, right? Nobody's going to believe you. And so here she is. Rather than focusing on that, what does she do? She gives praise to God. Her song there is basically, when you look at it, is just on different attributes of who God is and how great He is and what God will do. She gives Him praise. See, that's the sufficiency of God. God is, He takes the initiative in our lives. He will fulfill His word. We just have to be submissive to it and we have to give Him the praise. And he will accomplish something far greater than will ever be accomplished if we didn't do it. And my friends, think about this. What did he accomplish through that little girl in northern Galilee? The birth of the Savior of the world. You know what? I've heard people say, well, if it was today, she probably would have gone and got an abortion. Abortion existed back then, too. You may not know that, but it did. Abortion existed back then as well. She chose to willingly submit herself. And you know what? We benefit. Here's some thoughts for you as we close our time. As we look at the life of Mary and her being used, how do we find application to this? First of all, let me just ask you this question. How do you view your acceptance with God? How do you view it? Some of you here, I'll be sad to say, you, you, you say, well, I don't know a lot about the Bible, or I've, I've, I've disqualified myself, I've messed up, there's no way God could use me. You're, you're looking at stuff you do or didn't do. You're looking at who you are, who you're not. You're looking at your, your status in society. You're looking at your job or you're looking at what your bank account is. You're looking at all this external stuff that we judge each other by. Isn't that not true? We judge each other by those things. We will look and say, well, I'm not going to spend time with him because he's on welfare. Or I'm not going to spend time with him because he's got more money and he doesn't know how the rest of us live. And we have, we develop attitudes. That's why we have these different social economic statuses that people have. And that's why one group has an attitude towards another group. Because we, it's all a question of acceptance, whether or not we accept them. But I want you to understand something here. God doesn't operate by that way in terms of acceptance. He overlooks all of that. And He accepts you not because of you, He accepts you because of Him and His love for you. But the question is, moving it from your head to your heart, to where you finally grasp that he accepts me in spite of me. So the question is, how do you view your acceptance with God? See, if he could use a little girl in an insignificant community to carry the God of the universe, I mean, he can, he can use us, can he? And boy, aren't we insignificant. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.